Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. You know, how does the media get let Biden get away with this garbage? That speech last night was just junk. It was just total junk. This is where you miss President Trump on Twitter, who'd be able in live time to refute Biden's endless garbage. I don't It's not even his garbage. What do you mean it's not his garbage? Somebody write, he clearly doesn't write anything himself now. And I think he's capable of that, Biden. Somebody just puts it in a teleprompter and he reads the garbage. I got that today. I've got some incredibly troubling video from the border. Um, I mean, really troubling. You're going to want to see this because it's almost hard to believe. Joe's already seen it, so he gets to cheat a little bit. And then I want to describe to you, I don't do a lot of foreign policy on the show, but what would a war with China look like? There is a really, really troubling report that leaked out of the Pentagon about what exactly a war with China would look like, how bad it could get. And I want I don't want to because it's Friday. I don't want to leave you with any bad news. I'm going to give you the good, the bad and the ugly on the China story. There is some good news for us. So don't worry. I don't want to be apocalyptic. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. For peace of mind online, surf the web in peace. Get a VPN, go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Let's get to it. Got all that and a poll that looks really good for Herschel Walker. Huh? Yes. Stay tuned. Today's show brought to you by friends at Helix Sleep. What makes Helix Sleep different? They have a quiz. It takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Don't buy a mattress made for someone else. Seems like common sense, right? Well, common sense isn't so common. Helix figured it out. They'll get you a mattress perfect for the way you sleep. Everyone's unique. Helix knows that. They have several different mattress models to choose from. Soft, medium, firm mattresses. Mattresses are good for cooling you down if you sleep hot. And even a Helix plus-size mattress for plus-size sleepers. I took the two-minute Helix sleep quiz. I was matched to the Midnight Lux mattress because I wanted to feel like I was sleeping on a cloud. That's why. Now, it's a little firm, but it's got just the right give for me because I got bad shoulders. I love it. I think you'll love it too. But you got to take the quiz. It's been awesome getting unboxing videos from all of you. Got your Helix mattresses. Send me all your great reviews. We appreciate it. If you're looking for a mattress, just take the quiz. You order the mattress that you're matched to. The mattress comes right to your door, shipped for free. You don't need to go to a mattress store ever again. Helix is great, but don't take my word for it. They were awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights uh, risk-free. Give it a sleep trial for 100 nights. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix also offers exclusive discounts for military first responders, teachers, and students. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners today at helixsleep.com slash Dan, H-E-L-I-X, helixsleep.com slash Dan. Go today. All right, Joe, let's go. And because it's Friday, don't think I forgot, in Joe Armacost's worst 1960s, the Halcyon Days voice, please give us some good news for the week, because today is, Joe, it's Friday! (laughs) I think we've only skipped that one or two times when the news was really bad, so (laughs) good to know. Welcome, Producer Joe. Yeah, we've got a couple extra guests listening to the show live today, because we may have a live stream coming soon. I was probably supposed to tease that announcement a little more, but we're thinking about it. We're thinking about it. I appreciate your feedback, but let's get right into the news. Let's not less. Let's get right into the news. Here's a video of last uh, night's dreadful national address by Joe Biden, just laden with garbage and lies. Again, they're not his lies. 
because he can't think of that kind of stuff. They're just pumped into a teleprompter for him and he just reads them. But here's Joe Biden ridiculously claiming that when the coronavirus outbreak, which is now a year, it's now a year since it was declared a global pandemic. Here's Biden last night claiming that the Trump administration, he, he doesn't mention him directly. He doesn't have to. That the silence and denials kind of led to this pandemic and that he would have done things totally different. So in other words, Trump was totally silent. Joe, if he forgets about it, remember those press conferences with Trump? Those, those never happened. Uh, and uh, denials? Yeah. Uh. Trump denied there was a coronavirus. So what was he doing the press conferences for? Huh. Hold on a sec. Let me think that one through for a moment. So there were press conferences that were silent. What were they doing? Like sign language or something? I don't understand. At the press conferences, it actually happened. Um, and then denial. So they got up at the silent press conferences and said nothing. And just what? Wrote on a blackboard that we are denying <laughs> the coronavirus. This is ridiculous. Listen to Biden. A year ago, we were hit with a virus that was met with silence and spread unchecked. Denials for days, weeks, then months. That led to more deaths, more infections, more stress, and more loneliness. Photos and videos from 2019 feel like they were taken in another era. The last vacation, the last birthday with friends, the last holiday with extended family. Um, silence yeah. and denials. I'm going to show you a follow-up video here about who was really silent and denying the uh, what. And I don't think anybody anticipated what the impact of the coronavirus was. I don't care if you're a Democrat, a Republican, a communist, a conservative. It doesn't matter. Even when the pandemic was declared a year ago today, I don't think anybody understood how bad it was going to get. Fair enough. I, I don't. Very few people, I think, understood the scope of what was going to happen. Yet here's what's really weird. Joe Biden's clearly trying to suggest Trump was denying the existence of the coronavirus and the severity of it. But yet, when it started to get ugly, the Democrats went back to playing the race card. The race card about coronavirus? Listen for yourself. Check this out. You know, since the beginning of the COVID-19 outbreak, we have seen not only the spreading of the virus, but also a rapid okay. spreading of racism and xenophobia. This is no time for Donald Trump's record of hysteria xenophobia hysterical xenophobia and simply being uh you know chinese in a crowded space is something that causes uh people to part like the red sea uh daring to cough or sneeze causes people to actually shy away from you there's a lot of restaurants that are feeling the pain of racism uh where people are literally not patroning chinese restaurants the chinese foreign ministry came out today and they are furious with the U.S. They feel like these travel restrictions were unnecessary. They call them an overreaction. You know, historically, travel bans tend not to work very well. They tend to be counterproductive. Closing borders doesn't stop cases coming to your country. All these actions do is cause a culture of fear. They don't work. You touched on people blaming Chinese for their eating habits mm -hmm. uh, and their culture. What will quell uh, the racism that you are seeing. Um, they're not patroning Asian restaurants because of just straight up racism around the coronavirus. This painful rhetoric has consequences. Uh, restaurants across Boston's Chinatown have seen up to an 80% drop in business. And I believe this has everything to do with the rapid spread of misinformation and paranoia. 
misinformation and paranoia. <laughs> you, you'd think she was talking about Joe Biden's speech last night, again, written for him by <laughs> yeah. others, because he's not capable of putting together thoughts like that in any kind of coherent way. It may have been inaccurate, this speech, but at least it was coherent because somebody else wrote it for him. Misinformation. So it was Trump who was silent about the coronavirus, despite the fact he had briefings about it and instituted a travel ban almost immediately. And it was Trump who was denying the impact of the coronavirus, despite Trump instituting a travel ban that Democrats, by the way, if you're watching the video on Rumble, you can see who that was. If you're listening on audio, that was AOC, CNN commentators, Ayanna Presley, another liberal congresswoman uh, from Massachusetts. They're the ones that... Isn't it incredible how, what does Tucker Carlson always say that Democrats are always accusing you of what they do themselves? Yes. It's on tape, dude. It's on tape. Everybody can watch it. It's on tape. The left, there are a thousand supercuts out there. By the way, hat tip Graby and the great Tom Elliott over at Grabian for that supercut. We had it. Joe had to cut that short, by the way. That goes on for another almost minute. Yeah. There are a, over a thousand good quality supercuts from Newsbusters and Grabian of Democrats not just saying the travel ban is racist, coronavirus mitigation measures Trump were doing are racist and xenophobic. Not just those. There are other supercuts we've played on the show. Joe remembers them of Nancy Pelosi, Bill de Blasio, New York City politicians, Joe Biden and others playing down the coronavirus. They, they're endless. It's on tape. Don't allow them to rewrite history. Now, showing you how, again, the Biden administration is entirely full of it, that Trump denied coronavirus and the, the severity of it. They did. Even now, the Biden administration and their circle back press uh, flack, Jen Psaki, are still not taking this seriously. Here's a video from yesterday. It's Fox News' Peter Ducey. He asks a simple question of Jen Psaki. He says, hey, Mr. Press Sec Madam Press Secretary, are illegal immigrants crossing the border who test positive for coronavirus being prevented from coming into the country? Watch the answer she gives where she pivots. Joe, it's a yes or no answer, right? Yeah. Pretty yeah. simple question. Yeah. Easy if you it. test positive for coronavirus and you're trying to enter the country illegally, can you come in or not? It's it's binary, folks. It's binary. It's a yes or a no answer. It's a zero or a one in digital format. Okay. There's no need to overcomplicate this. We don't need we don't need a Schrodinger's cat here. It's not. There's no quantum mechanics involved. She can't answer the question. Listen to her dance around this and try to blame the Republican governor of Texas. Check this out. Uh, the other piece is, is the question about um, the testing of migrants uh, at the border uh, or testing of migrants as, as they are coming across. And we have DHS and FEMA have stepped in and worked with local mayors, NGOs and public health officials in Texas to implement a system to provide COVID-19 testing and as needed isolation and quarantine for families released from border patrol facilities. Their proposal and agreement would cover 100% of the expense of the testing, isolation, and quarantine. But Governor Abbott has decided to reject that. So there are a number, there's a lot of confusion about these issues, and I just wanted to provide a little point of clarity here. It's hilarious. That's hilarious. You're trying to provide clarity by unclarifying the clarity you were trying to provide. Is that what I mean? There was a yes or no question. 
And she dances around them. Well, here's how we're going to provide the funding for the testing and possible isolation and court. So, so we are letting people in. Is that, is that what you're saying? So people are entering the country illegally in violation of our laws. You're walking in illegally. They're not supposed to be here. And you are admitting them in. And then we're testing and isolating and quarantining. So we're letting them into the country. I thought this was a major national global pandemic, international catastrophe that they want to blame Trump on. Trump didn't understand the severity of 500,000 people dead. Maybe we should secure the border and not let people in then who could be carrying the virus. Sounds like a good idea, no? Sounds like a good idea. Or mm-hmm. encourage them to enter the country the legal way so we can check who people are, if they're sick or not. Maybe a good idea. No, no, no. They want to dance around the question. And in case you're a liberal watching the show and you're saying, Dan, you're over-dramatizing this crisis. There's only 100,000 people a month entering the country illegally. Not a big deal compared to the 30,000 a month last year when Trump was in charge. Checking my math, Joe, that's over three times. Yes, mm-hmm. over three times. It's not a big deal. Look at this video. There's not a lot of sound to it, so I'm going to talk you through it if you're listening on audio only. We cut about 20 seconds of it. The video goes on a bit. Here is a video of a line, a packed crowd of people. You have no idea who these people are. You have no idea if they're a national security threat. You have no idea if it's a potential criminal threat. You have no idea who these people are, what potential, uh, what, what, if, they're, if they're sick or they're not. You have no idea. Here is a line of people looking to enter the United States being smuggled into the country. Check this out. If this doesn't disturb you, I don't care about your party affiliation. I don't know what will. Look at this. How can you... uh, How do you watch that? Yeah, yeah, wow is right for all the wrong reasons. Forward and backwards. Wow, W-O-W. What are we watching? What are we looking at here? This is the United States of America. We have a legal immigration process. Is it efficient? No, my wife went through it. Can we fix it? Of course, we can always fix it. This is not national security. This is not a country. Remember, what's the definition of a country, right? Well, if you had bullet points about what a country was, I think the first bullet point would be some defined national borders. No, if you don't have national borders, you don't have a country, you have a suggestion. How is that a border, what you just saw? Please explain to me in 25 words or less how that constitutes a border. That's not even a suggestion. Yet I thought coronavirus was a big global pandemic we were all supposed to be terrified about to the point we were locking down our businesses, driving our kids, tragically in some cases, to suicide by isolating them in quarantine so they can't talk to their friends despite the low risk. But yet when it comes to the southern border, everybody's just allowed in. Forget the legal immigration process. No worries there. Are we checking people? Oh, I'm just going to blame Governor Abbott. Are we letting him in the country? Maybe, maybe not. We'll talk about that later kind of thing. I'll circle back. My gosh. I've got a tweet coming up next. I'm trying to to rescue you from the bad news because I did get an email. And a guy's like, listen, the bad news is so bad. It's not all bad. We will. Sometimes we just need a punch in the gut to get up, uh, you know, get up off the mat. And I think it's happening now. I think we're going to see a route, a route for these open borders Democrats in 2022. But I do have a, a, Tweet up next, I'd like for you to check out from a pollster I trust. I interviewed him on the show, Robert Cahaley. Some good news out of Georgia. Check that out coming up next. All right, today's show brought to you by a product that got me through 
uh, the chemo, which really was no fun. Chemo is really not an enjoyable experience, folks. It kind of feels like a really bad hangover while you're sick with the worst cold of your life. Do you know that a third of Americans regularly suffer from nausea? I know I did. That's why I'm super excited about our partner relief band. This was a natural fit for me because I used it. This is my actual relief band right here. You can hear it. Really, you can see it's definitely used. Relief band is the number one FDA cleared anti-nausea wristband that's been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. It's simple. Here's the power button. Here's how you turn up the, uh, the here's how you turn it up. The product's 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, provides all natural relief with zero side effects for as long as needed. It works for me the minute I turn the power on. The technology was developed over 20 years ago in hospitals to relieve nausea from patients, but now through Relief Band, it's available to the masses. It, it works by stimulating a nerve in the wrist, once you put on the band, that travels to the part of the brain that controls nausea. It's that simple. Then it blocks the signal to your brain, sending to your stomach, telling you that you're sick. Relief Band is the only over-the-counter wearable device that's been used in hospitals and oncology clinics to treat nausea and vomiting. It worked for me like clockwork. Just turn it on. Ensure nausea is never the reason to miss out on life's most important events. Right now, Relief Band has an exclusive offer just for my show's listeners. If you go to ReliefBand, ReliefBand.com, use promo code Bongino, my last name, you'll receive 20% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping and a no-questions-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So go to ReliefBand.com. And use my promo code Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O, for 20% off. Go today. This thing really works. Works great. Got me through my, my chemo. All right. Thanks, Relief Band. All right. Getting back to the show. We got some good news here. So, you know, listen, the elections didn't work out as planned. I think Joe is the audience ombudsman. That's fair enough, right? Do we need a fact check on that one? Fair enough, Dan. Yes, fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you. Thank you. On a Friday, want to make sure we get that out there. Could have worked better. (laughs) I mean, on the House side, they didn't work out too bad, but everywhere else, it was uh, kind of a disaster. So, you know, we need a little bit of good news. So Robert Cahaley, who is a, one of the few pollsters I trust, uh, he works over at Trafalgar Group. Do you remember we interviewed him on the show, Joe, before the election, and he pretty much nailed everything? <sighs> this, and, and do you remember this guy? He he was very interesting. You may not, but I, one I, of the things I, he brought up is- I don't. He, if you, you produced it. See, at least you're honest. I like that about you. Yeah. He never BSs the audience. You don't have to, because we don't do that here. This guy brought up a great point. I asked him on the show. I said, hey, Robert. Why are your polls always so accurate while everyone else, these big polling outlets, constantly blow it? Remember the polls show before the election? Trump's going to lose by 80 points. Oh, yeah. He's going to lose every state. He's going to lose Wyoming by 10. Everybody was like, oh, my gosh, here we go again with this stupidity. Well, Kahaley pretty much called it. And he said to me, this is interesting. Gee, tell me if you find this interesting, okay? Because uh, you, Joe's heard this before. You have not. Actually, Joe may not remember because he doesn't remember Kahaley. So, Joe, you tell me too because you don't remember, which is good. He <laughs> said that the polls are wrong because, one, you have this whole digital divide and stuff with cell phones versus landlines skewing towards an older audience. And he said sometimes people lie to pollsters, especially when it comes to Donald Trump. And I said, okay, Robert, so how do you get around that in your polls? <laughs> Fascinating. He said, because I asked the neighbor question. I ask people who their neighbor would vote for. Because you know, come on, you all know, right? If your neighbor's a Trump supporter, you know it, right? That way, you're not asking about them, so there's no reason for them to lie. You're asking about the genius, genius. So with that background, I trust this guy. 
Kahaley put out a social media post yesterday talking about the Senate race coming up in 2022 with Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. Dallas Cowboys, Minnesota Vikings, Georgia Bulldog, legend, legend Herschel Walker. My brother-in-law is a doctor and a power lifter, which is a very weird combination. He's not weird, but a strange combo. You don't see too many doctors who are power lifters. My brother-in-law, right? He loves following like the fitness routine and all that other stuff like I do. He swears that Herschel Walker may be the most fit human being <laughs> ever to walk the face of the earth. He has some evidence to back it up too. Look at his poll. Herschel Walker, 47.7%. Uh, Raphael Warnock, 45.5%. Finally, finally. Hey, listen, it's a long way away. I don't want to over-dramatize anything right now. 2022 might as well be... 2047 in political terms right now, but some good news that we may finally get back some really good people with cojones in uh, the Senate. Cause you know, Herschel Walker is, is the real deal. He fought an MMA fight at like 50 years old. Herschel Walker. Is that right? You can watch the video. It's crazy. How would this shape this guy's in? He was like, yeah, I'm just going to do MMA. <laughs> okay. Probably not the thing to the side at 47 Herschel, but, when you're Herschel Walker, whatevs, it works for you. I like him. All I right, remember I saw him, man. Oh, I, I like love him a lot. I love this would yeah. be, oh, oh, love the guy. I love the guy. Please do it, Herschel. Get in there. And Donald Trump's supporting him too, which is good. Um, speaking of elections and primaries, Herschel Walker, you like that segue? Hey, you like that? I tried to uh, put that together. Uh, uh, uh. So we've got, <laughs> we've got, we've got eight Republicans who um, may need to hear from us right now, may need a primary threat themselves. Well, why? Well, if you subscribe to my newsletter, Bongino.com slash newsletter, my free newsletter, I will send you these articles every day because of stories like this. We have to pay more attention to better candidates like Herschel Walker in primaries. Breitbart by the great A.W.R. Hawkins, who writes on Second Amendment issues all the time. Eight House Republicans vote for the Democrat gun control bill. Huh? Why is it? That whenever Democrats have some progressive agenda item, they get near unanimity and no one ever breaks the Democrat fortified front line. And yet when we need Republicans to stand united for simple things like the right to protect yourself without a gun confiscation measure, we always have some people who are just like, nah, I'm going to vote with the Dems. It reminds me of my line that you should always remember. It's Dan Bongino, golden rule. I don't know, Joe. Is this two or three? You're going to have to keep track of my golden rules. Okay. It may be two or three. I don't know. We'll get to. Joe to keep this down in an official Dan Bongino library. Let's call it number two for today. Because the first golden rule um, is what? That Republicans may not solve all your problems, but Democrats almost always cause them. That's rule number one. So yeah. num rule number two is this. That most Republicans are really Democrats, but no Democrats are really Republicans. Gee, you like my two rules? You like that? Gee, like, Gee's give me a thumbs up. Can you write those down? One and two, so we got them numbered in the future. Just so, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. so here's what I mean by that. <laughs> so you had this gun confiscation measure. I'll explain what it is in a minute. And unlike, you know, the Democrats, which vote like a unified front, they lock shields. These eight Republicans decided to be a good idea to vote for a bill that's going to be used to confiscate your firearms if it goes through. So let's go through who they are. 
Here is the uh, motley crew of people who can't get their heads out of their cabooses. We first have Vern Buchanan of Florida. Don't know what old Vern's thinking. Hey, Vern, remember Vern? Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania. Maria Salazar of Florida. Big disappointment there. Andrew Garbarino of New York. Chris Smith of New Jersey. Fred Upton, a consistent disappointment on the Second Amendment in Michigan. Carlos Jimenez of Florida. Uh, and the, well, Adam Kinziger is not really a, the, can we just make, can we change that? Can we get to an AWR? Gee, can you send me an email? That's actually seven Republicans. Adam Kinziger calls him, say, he's not even a rhino. Adam Kinziger's a full-blown Democrat. So it's actually seven plus one. If he calls himself a Republican. So AWR is safe, but he's really a Democrat. So seven plus one. Now, why does this bill matter and what does it do? Ladies and gentlemen, uh, can I tell you a little story why this matters? Would you mind? I've been involved in the Second Amendment movement for a long time. Matter of fact, one of the ways I entered onto the political scene from the activism side was I gave a viral speech in Annapolis, Maryland. Joe knows well, a long time yes, ago. Um, remember that? And uh, it went, this is, I lived in Maryland. This has to be at least, Joe and I weren't even doing the podcast yet, but I knew yep. Joe well. It was maybe seven years ago. Micah Pelka from The Blaze at the time found the speech on YouTube or something like that. It was a speech in Annapolis for a, for a Second Amendment rally when Maryland, remember Joe, Maryland was trying to take everybody's guns, which they're always trying to do. Yep. The speech went nuclear. Uh, Michael, Michael Pelka called me. I was at my daughter's uh, event and he's like, hey, this is Michael Pelka from The Blaze. Did you give this speech? I said, yeah, well, that's me. Yeah. He's like, man, this is good. We're going to send it out on our email. It's boom. I was on like Fox about it. I mean, that's how this whole thing started. Folks, one of the things I've always warned about is Democrats want to institute uh, universal background checks, not because they care about background checks, ladies and gentlemen. Please stop the nonsense. That's what this bill would do, is institute universal background checks. It's not about that. Folks, listen to me, and please listen clearly. I was a police officer and a federal agent for over a decade of my life. Criminals don't go do background checks. Do you understand why? Can we, can we pause? I'm just kidding. Pause the show. You might hit the pause button. Here, temporary fake pause. You know that pause button? With the Why don't... <laughs> I know liberals listen, so this is hard for them. I wish we could use the Jeopardy sound here. Why don't criminals go through background checks to get firearms? Why, 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 do, why, do you think, why do you think that is? Because criminals can't buy guns with a background check because there's a question. Are you a criminal, basically? They don't, they get them off the street. Are you, is that hard for you to figure out? Do you think a universal background check, so to be clear, here's the system now. If you buy a firearm from a gun show, FFL, an F a federal a licensed firearm salesman anywhere, you have to go through a background check. It doesn't matter if it's at a gun show. There's no gun show loophole. That's a liberal myth. Does everybody understand that? If it's a licensed firearm dealer, which most people at gun shows are, not all, but most, there's no loophole for gun shows. If you go to a gun supply store that 99.9% is an FFL, you have to go through a background check. The only time you don't is if, let's say, you're a farmer out in the Midwest, you want to give your shotgun to your kid, you don't have to do a background check. You can just give it to him. It's your firearm. 
So why do the Democrats want to make Farmer Jones go through a background check to give his firearm to young Farmer Jones? Why would they want to do that? Why? Think about it. Think about it. Knowing this will do nothing to stop criminals because criminals can't get guns from legal firearm deals. So they buy them off the street. It'll do nothing. Nothing. Why would they want it? Think it through. I'm sorry to play the interactive games with the audience, but the more I probe your mind, the more you'll figure this out and you'll own it forever because they want a list. I underlined it and put an arrow. You know, I think I'm messing that. Look at it right there. Big arrow. They need a list. How are they going to confiscate your guns if they don't have a list of who owns them? Well, Dan, what did universal, universal background checks have to do with that? I thought they'll stop criminals. How would they stop criminals? Criminals don't get background checks now because if they did, they wouldn't be allowed to buy the gun. Huh? Yeah, true. How would universal background checks establish a list so they know whose house to go to when they want to take your guns? That sounds like a conspiracy theory. Yeah, so did that they were going to spy on President Trump during the campaign and that happened. Because folks, the list would be meaningless if private to private sales were allowed. If I'm allowed to sell my firearm or give my firearm to my father or one of my brothers or my wife, then the list is kind of useless. Why would it be useless, Joe? Because they could knock on my door and say, Dan, do you have that firearm we noticed you bought from so-and-so Gunworks uh, a few weeks ago? And what could I say, Joe? I said, no, I don't have it. I sold it. Well, if there's a universal background check, they'd have to know who you sold it to. They want a list. And the only way to get a list is not to give you an out. And an out for a lot of people, not an out to avoid the law, but an out, you know, they people die, they get sick, they get older, they don't feel like they can control or secure their guns anymore. They give them to sons, fathers, daughters, brothers, whatever it may be. They transfer them as long as it's legal. You're not allowed to give them to criminals. That's illegal, right? Everybody knows that, right? Liberals don't, of course. They're just figuring this out now. But if they could trace every single transfer of every single firearm, they know exactly where to go for the firearms when gun confiscation time comes. Dan, that sounds like a conspiracy theory. We got to use our leftist voice for that. Is it really? Here's a video of uh, Joe Biden asked a question by Anderson Cooper a while ago. Um, If they were going to come and take people's assault rifles, which basically means every single firearm out there in Democrat lingo. um, And here's Joe Biden's answer. You may want to check this out. To to gun owners out there who say, well, a Biden administration means they're going to come for my guns. Bingo. You're right if you have an assault weapon. There we go again. Uh, There we go. Norma Cost is correct. My man. You don't, yeah, yeah, you don't have to take our word for it. Just take almighty Joe B's uh, word. Bingo, bingo. If you have an assault weapon, interesting how I showed you that video last week of me debating in Maryland when I was running for office years ago, the attorney general of Maryland, um, who didn't seem to know what an assault weapon was. Um, Either did the other guy on the panel in that video I put out there. He was trying to tell me how he wanted to take your assault weapons, but couldn't define exactly what an assault weapon meant. I love that video still. All right, I'm going to exit this segment, but I can't do it without you understanding this one final time. The only reason, the only reason they want universal background checks is to get a list to make sure they come for your gun next. Everybody got it? Put an exclamation point at the end. All right, here's what's coming up on the other side of this break here. I've got a video of an insurrection in Portland. What? There was an insurrection last night? Yeah, of course. You wouldn't know it, though, from the media coverage. And... 
I've got the good, the bad, and the ugly about China, huh? You mean like the Clint Eastwood movie? No, no. I mean, I read a really troubling piece at Bongino Report. Remember, Matt puts those articles together. I, I Sometimes I send them stuff, but sometimes stories at Bongino Report hit me too. There's a story about what a war with China would look like and how we would, quote, lose fast. Not a joke. Guy, you liked it too, right? I sent it to Guy with the screenshots. He's like, dude, this is a good story. It's a good, bad story. Don't miss that. All right, today's show brought to you by our friends at Daily Wire. Hey, the Hollywood elite, they refused to produce this film we're about to show you a trailer for because it didn't fit their political agenda. Did you know that? Daily Wire doesn't believe in censorship. So now you can stream Run, Hide, Fight at dailywire.com. Run, Hide, Fight follows the story of Zoe Hull, a high school senior whose school comes under siege by four gun-toting students. Check this out. Get down on the ground! Any more friends back there? Is it safe to say that this might be our guardian angel? You have no idea who you're dealing with. Isn't it ironic that after all your hard work, people aren't going to remember you? No. They're going to remember me. Got to watch this film. It's really, really incredible. Daily Wire subscribers can stream, run, hide, fight today at dailywire.com for free. You got to scroll that thing. Not a member of the Daily Wire? Use promo code DAN and save 25%. Run, hide, fight is rated TVMA viewer discretion advice. Check the film out again. Dailywire.com. If you're a member for free, not a member, use promo code DAN to save yourself an incredible 25%. Check the movie out. Run, hide, fight again. TVMA. Viewer discretion advice. Check that out. Hey, Joe just reminded me via text during this break. They're not really breaks in my show because we don't like go to commercial. I read them. Huh. That Herschel Walker, yeah, the, the New Jersey Generals from the USFL. How did I not yep. remember that? Which was owned by Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Great, great pull, Armacost. That's Thank where you, you earn the big bucks. That's why Armacost <laughs> is worth millions millions because <laughs> you, of you, because I, I'm just kidding. The IRS will come from tomorrow. He didn't report all his income. That's a great pull. Good point. Played for Donald Trump's uh, New Jersey generals. All right. Just a quick video here before I move on to the China story. There was an insurrection uh, yesterday in Portland. Uh, Antifa, the pro-fascist terror group. Antifa, that stands for anti-fascist. Folks, come on now. What did I tell you? Every time the left they, they, they're, they're good at names. Antifa's a pro-fascist terror group. They only call themselves anti-fascist because stupid people in the media believe their dopey title. So yeah, there was an actual insurrection last night in Portland. You won't hear anything about it because there were no Trump supporters involved in this. But here is a video I'm going to play. It's, uh, there's not much sound to it, so I'll have to talk over it a little bit. But they literally tried to, and you know I hate that word, they tried to burn down the courthouse in Portland last night. Um, check this out. This is just fascinating why it's not a front page story in the New York Times, the Washington Post, or at these other legacy media outlets. Why, why are we not seeing this story? There's an actual fire here, as you can uh, see in the video, a fire in the front of the Portland courthouse that the Antifa people were trying to set while there were people inside. Now, Joe, last time I checked, that's really not a good idea. That's very dangerous, and I highly recommend yes. nobody ever do that. Now, why that's not a story again is quite obvious, because if there was one person with a MAGA hat, it would be all over the front page of the news. Probably only going to hear about it from Andy No, uh, who does reporting on Antifa and shows like this. All right, we're moving along at a nice pace here. What do you think? 
He gets on me sometimes. Thinks I dwell sometimes. It's I can't help it. Some stories just I feel the love. All right. So remember the good, the bad, and the ugly, the old Clint Eastwood movie? Well, we're going to do a different movie. We're going to do the ugly, the bad, and the good. I read this story about China and what a war with China would look like. The story's up at Yahoo News. You can find it on BonginoReport.com, also in my newsletter, Bongino.com slash newsletter. And I strongly encourage you to read it. The headline alone should scare clean your gastrointestinal tract. Mm-hmm. You'll be good for days. It's the equivalent of a journalism metamucil. Here is the headline at Yahoo News. Quote, we're going to lose fast. U.S. Air Force held a war game that started with a Chinese biological attack by James Kitfield, a contributor to Yahoo News. Folks, it's not a joke. So we're going to start with the ugly part first about our relationship currently with China. People's Liberation Army and the Chinese Communist Party is clearly preparing for war with the United States. You never know that because we're too busy um, worrying about Pepe Le Pew and Gina Carano and the Mandalorian. We're not occupied with anything like global thermonuclear war. God forbid we did something like that. Um, So here's the first screenshot about what a war, I want to be clear on this, given our current posture, our current force alignment, how we're prepared for global warfare now, how these experts think it would go. Here's a quote from a military analyst talking about what would happen in our war games now. It says, at that point, the trend in our war games was not just that we were losing, but we were losing faster. We do these war games all the time with China, and now we're losing quick. After the 2018 war game, I distinctly remember one of our gurus of war gaming standing in front of the Air Force Secretary and Chief of Staff and telling them that we shouldn't play this war game scenario of a Chinese attack on Taiwan again because we know what's going to happen. The definitive answer is if the U.S. military doesn't change course, we're going to lose fast. In that case, an American president would likely be presented with almost a fait accompli. Think about that. Let me put a time out here. T.O., Time out from the sidelines. I am not taking a stance on if we should intervene for Taiwan or not. We can cover that on another show. There's a whole big show about the libertarian approach to foreign interventions, which I think you know I lean towards, and the both Democrat and Republican hawkish establishment thing. We should intervene in every place all over the world. Table that for a second. I'm just asking you to assume if policy leaders, the president and others, decide to engage in a war with China over Taiwan, what would happen? Well, in that first piece, he suggests our current force alignment, we would get crushed fast. And what's our current force alignment? Our our, our posture, our strategic battle plan to fight back. It would be to use our bases and ports overseas to use them as you know forward launching uh, 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 bases and ports to go and hit back. Military analysts are saying, yeah, we'd probably get crushed pretty fast because the Chinese are prepared for that and are engaging in access denial exercises where they will deny us access from those ports to go and defend Taiwan. Again, assume it happens because this would be really bad and the Chinese are already preparing for it. So that's the ugly part that as of right now, our current force alignment These military analysts are saying we would, quote, lose fast. That sounds really bad because it is. 
Screenshot number two from the Yahoo piece. This is the bad part. I'll start with the good part of the bad part. The good part of the bad part is we're figuring this out, military analysts, Joe, and they're developing a different strategy saying, hey, maybe investing all our assets in ports and forward operating bases and launching from there is not going to work. Maybe Mm. we need to be more nimble and focus on denial for Taiwan from the start from China, keeping Taiwan and and the straight free and clear. So here's part two where they talk about how if we were to engage in a more nimble operation, what we would do, how this might result in the Chinese reevaluating their situation quickly if they attack Taiwan. Check this out. Quote from the piece. This is about their new strategy. So the good part of the bad is we have a new strategy. The bad part of the bad is we still haven't implemented it. Quote, the strategy strongly favored large numbers of long-range mobile strike systems to include anti-ship cruise missile batteries, mobile rocket artillery systems, unmanned mini-submarines, that's an interesting idea, mines, and robust surface-to-air missile batteries for air defense. A premium was put on surveillance and reconnaissance capabilities for early warning and accurate intelligence to enable quick decisions by policymakers and a more capable command and control system to coordinate the actions of this more dispersed, nimble force. So again, the good side of bad, we're working on a new strategy so we don't get crushed by China. The bad part of the bad is we still don't have that strategy implemented. You doubt me? Part three from the piece. On a sober note, one of their analysts, Hinote, pointed out that blue team force posture tested in the recent war game. The blue team is us. In the recent war game is not the one reflected in current Defense Department spending plans. We're beginning to understand what kind of U.S. military force it's going to take to achieve the national defense strategy's goals, he said. But that's not the force we're planning and building today. Uh, that, that, That doesn't sound good. Listen, you can be, I don't want to call myself a non interventionist, but I definitely lean towards a more libertarian approach to global foreign interventions. But preparedness is not a bad thing. Preparing, I mean, come on, can we all just get it out of the way? Like, obviously, a military is of a consensus national interest, right? We get that. But why would we, even if we never have to use it, which would be a good thing, why would we prepare for yesterday's war rather than tomorrow's? What's I don't understand the sense in that. So we know what we have to do to hopefully never have to, never have to engage in this fight with China over Taiwan. We know that. But we're not doing it. Why? Because we're preparing for the land wars of yesterday? It gets even worse. Here's another really incredible piece by Jamie McIntyre in the Washington Examiner. Again, be in my newsletter today, bongino.com slash newsletter to access it. What U.S. war with China about Taiwan would look like? It's not good, folks. It's obviously not good at all. It's why we should, like, Dan, you're still talking the bad stuff. If you got the, no, 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 there's a a good or not good, but less bad portion of all this. From the Washington Examiner piece, here's the problem we would have. Even if we engage in this new strategy, Joe, more nimble, quicker responses in the straight, not relying on ports and bases, um, having access denial ourselves from Taiwan, being able to take out Um, Chinese transportation vessels across the strait trying to land on Taiwan. Even Mm. if we engage in all that, Beijing can't possibly give up. Here, this is a great great analysis from Jamie McIntyre in this examiner piece. He says, quote, Beijing's Beijing's biggest problem is that once it's in a war that it's sold to its citizens is vital 
It's on what they call death ground. And politically, it can't afford to accept defeat. They must continue to fight, argued this military analyst, Henley, who said Beijing lacking a clear victory, even if we stop them, would resort to an economic and military blockade of Taiwan. That because of the island's proximity to China and its thickly forested mountains on its eastern coast, away from China, China could maintain indefinitely. Now you see why even the good news is bad news. So if the United States decided to engage in a war with Taiwan to stop the invasion with China and sank nearly every boat trying to cross the strait from China into Taiwan, Taiwan could very easily engage in an economic military blockade and starve Taiwan to death at relatively little cost to them and great cost to us if we were defending them. My gosh, it's Friday. Is there good news? Again, there's never, you know, really good news, but there's less bad news. And the good angle to this is the Chinese Communist Party, which tortures and imprisons its citizens, which uh, sterilizes Uyghurs and imprisons them in concentration camps, is the largest surveillance state in the world and tries to intimidate all its enemies. They're going broke. Kind of hard to invade Taiwan when you may have a hard time feeding your population in the future. No, no, seriously. Wall Street Journal, Joseph Sternberg today. Power or profits? Beijing's pension dilemma. The Chinese badly need places to invest savings, but the necessary reforms endanger the party's rule. Complicated title. Eh, Not so much, but the point of the story, and I'll show you a screenshot from it in a second, which matters is, China's going broke because China is living in a demographic time bomb. The communists in China who are really not that bright, but Joe, to be a communist, you can't be that bright. You know, that's the whole part of being a communist. You're kind of stupid. That's why you're a communist. Um, Didn't really figure out that a one child policy, you know, that one child policy, you're allowed to have one kid or you, which is really grotesque human torture on a mass scale, the extermination of life and forced abortions because you're allowed to have one child in China. They didn't really figure out that China's one child policy would lead to a demographic time bomb where their older population that can't work anymore needs to be supported by the income and productivity of a younger population. The math doesn't work out because you don't have a younger population because you were only allowed to have one kid. Right. Yeah, I know you think it's right. Me too. Because you and I are thinking like, was someone at the table when these communists thought of this and saying like what me and Joe just said, like, that doesn't really sound like a good idea. That kind of sounds really, really immoral, obviously, <laughs> but it sounds mathematically kind of dumb. You got a bunch of older people who can't work anymore after a certain age. They need younger people in a growing economy to work and support them because they can't. They can't go till a field. You know, skills diminish as you get older. Um, Yeah, I got a good idea. Let's wipe out our younger population by instituting an immoral, unethical, sinful one-child policy. (laughs) And no one at the table said, I object. Or like Tom Cruise and a few good men, I strenuously object. No, No one thought this was a bad idea? You want to say a little more about the demographic time bomb? Quote from the Sternberg piece. Why is Beijing having a pension problem? Because they don't have a choice. It's now a truism that China will grow. Don't ever forget this line. That China will grow old before it grows rich. Write that down. Tattoo it on your brain. 
Pretty hard to invade Taiwan when you grow old before you ever get rich enough to do it. The pension system, where that abstraction becomes a reality, has this elderly dependency ratio, right? This is an important number. The number of people over 65 per 100 people age 15 to 64 is approaching developed country levels at 17 and rising. It's 25 in the U.S. Compared with India's 9.8, Vietnam's 11.4. What does that mean? Quick translation. China's getting old. You may say, well, Dan, the United States is higher in that ratio. Yeah, but here's the difference. China's per capita income, a proxy for the resources for which these workers can support those older retirees, is only one-sixth to one-fourth the level of a developed country like ours. Folks, they didn't get rich quick enough to support their older and dying population. Again, that makes it very difficult to plan a global thermonuclear war and global domination. They are going broke stat. Haven't done the flipperoo in a while. All right, let me get to my last sponsor and tell you what's on the other side of this break here. Um, I got a lot of questions about podcasting. I just thought this was an interesting piece to kind of close on a Friday. Joe gets them all the time too. Gee, you'll have to, you'll, you'll, these will start coming in every day now. How do I get into podcasting? Is it really hard? I'm going to show you a quote from this article. You'll see how hard it really is. That, and then I got a comment from yesterday's show that's really hilarious. <laughs> I want to read to you. Little audience feedback on your audience feedback. Our last sponsor today are good friends at Bravo Company Manufacturing. When our founding fathers crafted the Constitution, the first thing they did was ensure the big R God-given right of an individual to share their ideas without limitation with the government. They also had a second amendment right after the first one, guaranteeing your right to self-protection, you and your family. They knew these rights were the cornerstones of a great civilization. Bravo Company Manufacturing, or BCM for short, they've been with me a long time here, builds a professional-grade product built to combat standards. Bravo Company Manufacturing designs, engineers, and manufactures life-saving equipment, folks. These are not sporting rifles. This is life-saving equipment that functions on point every time. I have two. Love them. They're my go-tos. BCM assumes when a rifle leaves their shop, it will be used in a life or death situation by a responsible citizen, law enforcement officer, or soldier overseas. Quality is all that matters to them. Every component of a BCM rifle is hand-assembled and tested by Americans in Heartland, Wisconsin, to a life-saving standard. These are the best in the business. Folks, I picked up my BCM rifle at a local FFL. Yes, you have to go through a background check. Shocker. And... The guy, no joke, at the gun shop said to me, these are the best of the best. You're lucky to have these two rifles. It was two of them. <sighs> to learn more about Bravo Company Manufacturing, go today to bravocompanymfg.com. You can discover more about their products, special offers, and upcoming news. That's bravocompanymfg.com. You can also check out their YouTube channel at youtube.com slash bravocompanyusa. Don't buy a rifle without checking out Bravo Company. All right. So uh, getting this, I get these questions all the time, getting to this last article about, uh, you know, Dan, I want to get into podcasting and, uh, you know, you have some advice. And my answer is, yeah, I have some advice. It's really, really, really hard. So I saw this article this morning, a little change of direction for my show. We usually focus, obviously, on politics. But there was this article at Amplify Media. It'll be in my newsletter today. Again, Bongino.com slash newsletter. If you're thinking about it, and I'm not telling you no, I, you know, Joe and I, a long time ago, people asked me why I got into it. The answer is 
Um, I read an article on a weekend. I had lost an election. It was really difficult and I wanted to stay involved and I wanted to be an activist and there were no radio shows available for me at the time. I was doing a lot of guest hosting. And I read an article about, I don't know, six years ago or so about how these younger kids were not listening much to the car radios anymore. What they were doing is they were just either Bluetoothing or hard connecting in their phones to the car radio and then listening over the speakers to podcasts. And I thought, oh, podcast. Remember six years ago, pod, everybody knew what podcasts were, but yeah. it wasn't the phenomenon it is now. So I called Armacost. I'm like, hey, buddy, you want to do a podcast with me? Joe was like, yeah, whatever, man, let's try it out. I, that's really how it started. It was no more complicated mm -hmm. with that, than that. I mean, it cost me about 10,000 bucks to buy equipment. Joe and I did it in this little closet in my basement, as I told you earlier in the week. But people say to me, how hard is it? So if you read this article, you'll see this screenshot and they talk about this thing uh, called getting on the shelf, basically the shelf space for podcasts, which is a kind of fancy industry lingo term for how much stuff are people going to listen to a week and how do you make sure your show is part of it? He says, uh, let's stick with simple math. This is a quote from the piece. There are roughly 2 million podcasts out there in podcast land and the average weekly listener has room for five on, let's say, their podcast shelf. So they'll listen to five. This is what their research says. The tyranny of a podcast getting onto that shelf is brutal. And staying there with so many great choices is equally challenging. Smartphones are loaded with great intentions of downloaded podcasts, sadly, that are never listened to. Going forward, he says the challenge for a podcaster is being good enough to get on the individual's shelf through a combination of really good content, differentiation, findability, and awareness. So there's some research in here that shows that people will listen to really no more than five shows in a week and eight episodes, not eight episodes each, eight episodes total. So if you're one of their five shows and you're getting all five, you're doing pretty good. People are listening Monday through Friday. More likely, people listen to five shows and they'll listen to two of one, two of another, one of the other. You get it? How do you get on the shelf? Five shows and eight episodes out of millions, he says. Getting space on the shelf isn't easy. I say that just to give you an idea and perspective because I do get a lot of phone calls on this. How hard is it? The answer is really hard. And it's why just a, a sincere, honest heartfelt segue here. I want to thank you, our listeners and viewers. You are awesome. And the fact that on your shelf space, you've chosen our show, Joe, Paula, Guy, you know, Drew helped us out for a while. Everyone who's been involved, I'm really, uh, I can't thank you enough. It is truly an honor that you have chosen us as one of your five shows and eight episodes a week. And we hope to never let you down. We put a lot of work into this, a lot. Even in these pretty, pretty dreadful news cycles, which I agree with you. I agree. I know it's tough. We all miss Trump. <laughs> Me too. Uh, one more note on this you'll see in the show notes. Axios, the pandemic sped the shift to digital media. So the bad news is it's hard to get onto people's shelves. The good news is if you read this Axios article in the show notes, digital products are growing like crazy. Digital products. While radio and linear, you know, with linear TV, in other words, cable news, are struggling a little bit. So it's good and bad. 
All right, I told you I'd read this comment from yesterday's show. I saw this on one of our platforms. It was quite hilarious. So um, I yesterday I, I discussed uh, the movie War Games from the 80s. Shall we play a game? Where I did the computer voice. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you probably think, what was that horrible uh, digitized voice? Dan just tried to uh, sneak in the show. So this was a comment from the show. Um, <laughs> at first, I thought this guy was serious. Uh, I don't know why. I, mean, I was a little foggy when I read it. I fell asleep on my couch. He says, Dan. I'm surprised at you. Did you say and use a computer accent? I think that's insulting to all computers and devices that use an operating system that is not technologically correct. I, <laughs> yes, I hope you'll be more careful in the future. Dude, I didn't put your name up because you didn't give us permission or where you posted. Very nice. Very nice. That was definitely offensive. A hundred percent. We will never do that again. The PC police, I'm sure the computers and technology devices that don't have a cleaner Siri type voice are really going to be PO'd. We'll probably get canceled tomorrow. Well done. Listen, I don't make that up. That's an actual comment, not a joke. All right. It is Friday. Going to wrap this show up here, but I wanted to read you a quick quote. I was on Hannity last night and uh, was on with Geraldo who thankfully is not running for Senate from Ohio. I I was like, huh, as a Republican, maybe as a Democrat, but not as a Republican. Um, so that's good news. But I was on last night and the topic of cancel culture came up and it came up in the context of this story about a school I discussed yesterday on the show called Grace Church School that is now banning the word mom and dad. You're supposed to use folks instead. It's just, it, you know, it's it's insane. And I said on Sean's show last night that this is a deliberate plan. Now, people like the administrators of Gray School are really largely useful idiots. They're not part of some global cabal. They're just not smart enough to figure out they're being used as useful idiots. But it is a leftist plan, don't mistake it, to control the language. Because when you control the language and you ban the term mom or dad or Merry Christmas or whatever it is, when you control the language, you control everything. The debate's over. How can you debate? the benefits of faith if you're not even allowed to use the word Christmas without being called a racist or a bigot? I'm serious. It's a serious question. There's a reason the left does this. The organized left understands if they control the language, the fight's over. Reminds me of an old expression about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He who controls the hips controls the fight. Well, he who controls the language. Oh my gosh, I just said he, not she. He who controls the language controls the fight. Fight's over before it starts. So I was reminded of a great quote by since uh, past freedom fighter Solzhenitsyn, who I've spoken about his books often, The Gulag Archipelago, The First Circle, just tremendous books about dissidents who fought for freedom in the Soviet Union under penalty of torture, death, bankruptcy, starvation. Here's a quote I'm going to leave you with on this Friday. The simple step of a courageous individual is not to take part in the lie. One word of truth outweighs the world. Don't take part in the lie. No matter what. Just don't do it. Don't take part in the lie. You'll regret it the rest of your life. I say that to all those parents out there, stuck and surrounded by these liberal tyrants trying to indoctrinate their kids. Just don't take part in the lie. Because it is a lie. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you know, I know the um, 
the news is not popping lately. And I do sincerely you know, appreciate your loyalty. That's why I read that story at the end. It matters a lot that we're on your shelf. So thanks a lot. I will see you all on Monday. Please follow us, our video show. You can watch that video on immigration in the beginning at rumble.com slash Bongino. It's free. Go check that out. I will see you all on Monday. Good day, sir. You just heard Dan Bongino.